You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, this is Paul Lazarus. In the 1980s, I produced and hosted a radio series called Anything Goes, a celebration of the American musical theater. Now the Broadway Podcast Network is bringing back these shows. This is the second of a three-part series celebrating the extraordinary career of producer-director Harold Hal Prince. This program originally aired in 1983 on the occasion of Prince's 55th birthday and covered the first 30 years of Prince's storied career from pajama game to a doll's life. New Girl in Town was the last Griffith and Prince show. Prince's next show was one of the masterworks of the musical theater, West Side Story. He describes how he came to be involved in this project and I have to backtrack a little bit and talk about his meeting and his first encounter with Stephen Sondheim. West Side Story had been owned by Cheryl Crawford in association with Roger Stevens. Stevens had financed the formative years of that project. When Miss Crawford bowed out, Stephen Sondheim brought us in, us being Bobby Griffith and Hal Prince. He and I had he, Steve, and I had first met in the audience on the opening night of South Pacific in April of 1949. He was there with his mentor, Oscar Hammerstein II, and Mary Rogers introduced us. It's curious that Steve was a composer whose reputation had reached me all the way from Williams College, where he had written book, music, and lyrics for a show called Climb High, which was the story of a young man with aspirations to produce on Broadway. Steve reminds me that soon after we met, I reasoned with him over a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich in Walgreens that we were the natural inheritors of the theater we were entering. I've always been an optimist, Steve a pessimist. I never doubted the inevitability of his acclaim, but I will persist that his pessimism accounted for some of the delay in getting recognized. Anyway, going on, he, uh, Prince describes a very rough week uh, in New Girl in Town. We were going into our last tryout week there, and in Boston. Gwen Verdon was out of the show ill, rehearsals were stymied, and I was on the phone with Steve Sondheim. It was 3 a.m. and I had documented our woes to the last detail. Eventually it occurred to me only politely to ask Steve how things were going with West Side. With six weeks left before scheduled rehearsals, Cheryl Crawford had called the whole thing off. I sympathized. What else could I do? I had my own problems. I said goodnight, lay awake a few hours, then phoned him back and suggested Bobby Griffith and I fly to New York the following Sunday meet with the creators, hear the score. Bernstein was very proprietary about that score. No one was supposed to have heard it, though I knew every note of it via Steve. If we were happy with each other, with each other that day, they would have to agree to leave us alone during the remaining week in Boston, during the New York previews. 
They would have to wait until after New Girl opened, they agreed. We flew into New York, had a marvelous meeting with them. Sondheim and Bernstein played the score, and soon I was singing along with them. And Bernstein would look up and say, My God, he's so musical, a musical producer. I simply grinned, stopped singing temporarily, forgot again, and got complimented again. Putting West Side out of our minds, we flew back to Boston. It was not very long thereafter that West Side's story was to weigh very heavily on the minds of Hal Prince and Bobby Griffith. Could be, who knows, there's something due any day, I will know right away, soon as it shows. It make them cannonballing down through the sky, gleaming its eye, bright as a rose. Who knows, it's only just out of reach, down the block on a beach, under a tree. I got a feeling there's a miracle due, gonna come true, coming to me. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait, something's coming. I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great. With a click, with a shock, phone will jingle, door will knock. Open the latch, something's coming, don't know when, but it's soon. Catch the moon, one-handed catch. Around the corner, or whistling down the river. Come on, deliver to me. Will it be? Yes, it will. Maybe just by holding still, it'll be there. Come on, something, come on in. Don't be shy. Meet a guy, pull up a chair. The air is humming, and something great is coming. Just out of reach, down the block on a beach, maybe tonight. Larry Kurt sings something coming music, Leonard Bernstein, lyrics, Stephen Sondheim, of course. Prince, uh, his next show with Bobby Griffith was Pulitzer Prize winning, just about every prize winning Fiorello, with a score by the young team of Sheldon Harnick and Jerry Bach. And uh, there's so many stories that go along with this, this wonderful show, uh, including the finding of Tom Bosley to play Fiorello. They first thought that uh, Ellis Rabb, excuse me, not Ellis Rabb, uh, Eli Wallach uh, could play the role, but the singing voice just wasn't up to the task. Um, and uh, the finding of and convincing of Abbott that uh, Harnick and Bach could do the score required several numbers to be written on spec by the team of uh, Bach and Harnick. And one of the ones they wrote early on in the process uh, was uh, Politics and Poker, the very famous opening sequence based on uh, Jerome Weidman's 
early version of the book of Fiorella, and interesting stories about acquiring the rights from uh, Fiorella's uh, wife, uh, Marie, La Marie LaGuardia, and she, uh, when asked who she would like to have played her husband, she replied with the, that the only entertainer who ever really reminded her of Fiorella was Frank Sinatra. And uh, some great numbers were written out of town, and perhaps the most effective song uh, written on the road was Little Tin Box, and it came at 11 or thereabouts when the curtain went up at 8.30. This is Prince writing again. We were somewhat mired in the sad period of Fiorello's life. He'd lost his first wife and child in, in childbirth, and politics was going against him. To make it even jollier, we were in the Depression. Faced with all of that, Bach and Harnick wrote a second song for the Ward Healers, a companion piece to politics and poker, and it stopped the show cold. Hastily, Abbott and Weidman tied up the love story, and Fiorello was on his way to City Hall. Your witness, Mr. X, may we ask you a question? It's amazing, is it not? That the city pays you slightly less than 50 bucks a week, yet you purchased a private yacht. I am positive your honor must be joking. Any working man can do what I have done. For a month or two, I simply gave up smoking. And I put my extra pennies one by one into a little tin box. A little tin box that a little tin key unlocks. There is nothing unorthodox about a little tin box. About a little tin about box. About a little tin box. In a little tin box. A little tin box that a little tin key unlocks. There is honor and purity. Lots of security in a little tin box. Next witness. Mr. Y, we've been told you don't feel well, and we know you've lost your voice. But we wonder how you managed on the salary you make to acquire a new Rolls Royce. You're implying I'm a crook and I say no, sir. There is nothing in my past I care to hide. I've been taking empty bottles to the grocer, and each nickel that I got was put aside. That he got was put aside Into a little tin box A little tin box that a little tin key unlocks There is nothing unorthodox about a little tin box About a little tin box About a little tin box In a little tin box A little tin box for life's rude shocks. There is faith, hope, and charity. Hard-won prosperity in a little tin box. Next witness, take the stand. Mr. Z, you're a junior official, and your income's rather low. Yet you've kept a dozen women in the very best hotels. Would you kindly explain how so? I can see your honor doesn't pull his punches, and it looks a trifle fishy, I'll admit. But for one whole week, I went without my lunches, and it mounted up your honor bit by bit. 
written out of town. Many, many fantastic numbers of musicals somehow get written in the heat of the pressure out of town. Virtually the entire team, it had been such a happy experience, the writing of Tenderloin. Uh, I wanted to remark that Arthur Penn, the director, had been involved early on in Fiorello. Uh, in fact, uh, the basic idea had been his notion. Uh, Tenderloin's team, excuse me, Fiorello's uh, team had been such a happy one that they all got together to tackle the score to Tenderloin, which everyone felt was the, the perfect musical. And uh, Prince writes, Tenderloin's score was a good one. The book never settled on a tone. Uh, it, Tenderloin was not without its problems. We had a, as good an opening number as I have ever seen, as good as Forum or the train scene in The Music Man, or for that matter, Will Common from Cabaret, of course. And the number was called Little Old New York is Plenty Good Enough for Me. It was sung by the panhandlers, the pimps, the fixers, who inhabited the Tenderloin, which is a, a district of New York City in this time period. From 14th to 42nd Street, from 4th Avenue to the Hudson, stands the largest area of undiluted vice and corruption in the world today. People of New York City, we must close up the Tenderloin. Why can't this damn do-gooder keep his hands off? Little old new, little old New York is plenty good enough for me. Good enough for me, good enough for me. Little old New York is plenty good enough for me. Keep your hands off, little old New York. I don't want no Bible spouting, gospel shouting, preaching all. with enough left over to tip the cop on the beat. That 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to Anything Goes with a tribute to How Prince, which first aired in 1983 on the occasion of Prince's 55th birthday. Harold Prince made the transition from producer direct to director in late 62, early 63, with a show called A Family Affair. Stephen Sondheim had brought the show to his attention with the music by John Kander and book and lyrics by the Goldman brothers, James and William. It was a comedy about a middle-class Jewish wedding from engagement to wedding march. In fact, the show begins with uh, Larry Kurt asking Rita Gardner to marry him and her saying yes. And then the final moment of the show is they're getting married. And the book was funny in the score superior. Though there were sufficient conflicts en route to the altar, there was also a certain predictability about them and never a doubt where the show was going. And Prince wrote, for this reason, I didn't want to do it. So he let it go as producer and it fell to Word Baker as director. And later on, on the road, Prince came in to fix it. Uh, And after, I guess, a great deal of work, uh, he phoned Abbott, George Abbott, for advice. George Abbott asked if everything wrong with the show were fixed, did I think it would be a hit? And how Prince replied, no. He warned Prince to remember that, and no doubt I would do good work, the improvements would be real, but I must be careful not to be seduced by the experience into wishful thinking a success, because that would turn an otherwise marvel experience into a disappointment. Well, I was seduced, and it was disappointing. However, there still remains some fine, fine moments in this early John Kander score uh, with lyrics by James and William Goldman. Because it might be nice to have a house, or maybe it City, country, kitchenette, or mansion, I don't care, Sally. I don't care anywhere. Not just anywhere. This is an important decision. Everybody says so. It can't be just anywhere. There's a house in my imagination, bought and paid for, ready to be lived in. 
Come with me, Sally. Come with me. Are you listening to anything I say? Wait and see. There's a room in my house where you'll cook me marvelous meals, baked Alaska custard and chocolate pie. Baked Alaska? I can hardly make toast. I mean, really, I'm afraid to light the stove. It's an there's a room in my house where we'll talk in front of the fire, holding hands and watching the night go by. Are you sure you won't get bored? I mean, really, I'm not a fascinating talker. It's an There's a room where our folks can stay. There's a room where our kids can yell. There's a room when the weather gets cold I can kiss you and hold you All the rooms in our house Need the touch of someone inside Prince's next show was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. One of Sondheim's first efforts, writing both music and lyrics. And since we played a song from that earlier, I'm going to skip over that musically because there's so much to uh, play for you today on Anything Goes. This is a tribute to Harold Prince, Hal Prince, of course, uh, on his 55th birthday, which occurs today, Sunday, January 30th. He was born in 1928, and this is a small tribute to him in light of his extraordinary 30 years, or roughly 30 years, of active work in the theater. After Forum, Prince both produced and directed the charming Bach Harnick and uh, Joe Masteroff show, She Loves Me, which uh, it's never had, uh, until recently, it's never had the the great reputation that it deserves, I think. It's one of those small shows, I guess, is the way. I, even Prince, in describing it, says it was a style piece, an unsentimental love story. It had irony and an edge to it. It was funny, but not hilarious. It was melodic, but not soaring. There were only two dances, and they were small. No one came to the edge of the footlights and gave it to you. It was soft sell. And because, because of this soft sell... Oh, he also added, and in 1963, when it was first done, we were at the peak of the noisy, heavy cell musical. Uh, I guess because of its its softness and its uh, its music box charm, it it never became uh, an, 
you know, considered a masterwork or an extraordinary piece of musical theater. And yet, it's one of the things Prince is most proud of. In fact, he writes, She Loves Me is one of the best things this office has done, and as far as I'm concerned, it's as well-directed as anything I've ever done. And though this book that I'm reading from came out in 74, my guess is that he might still say that. And it's, a, you know, a gorgeous piece of musical theater. I thought, uh, because everyone knows the famous songs from this score, and I've played them many, many times, uh, we'd play something different today, in a, a trip to the library, Barbara Baxley's big number in the show. Let me tell you, you've never seen anything like that library. So many books, so much marble, and so quiet. <laughs> And suddenly all of my confidence dribbled away with a pitiful plop. My head was beginning to swim and my forehead was covered with cold perspiration. I started to reach for a book and my hand automatically came to a stop. I don't know how long I stood frozen, a victim of panic and mortification. Oh, how I wanted to flee. When a kindly voice, a gentle voice, whispered, pardon me. And there was this dear, sweet, clearly respectable, thickly bespectacled man who stood by my side and quietly said to me, Ma'am, don't mean to intrude, but I was just wondering, are you in need of some help? I said no. Yes, I am. The next thing I know, I'm sipping hot chocolate and telling my troubles to Paul, whose tender brown eyes kept sending compassionate Looks, a trip to the library has made a new girl of me. For suddenly I can see the magic of books. I have to admit that in back of my mind I was praying he wouldn't get fresh. And all of the while I was wondering why an illiterate girl should attract him. Then all of a sudden he said that I couldn't go wrong with the way of all flesh. Of course it's a novel, but I didn't know or it certainly wouldn't have smacked him. But he gave me a smile that I couldn't resist. And I knew at once how much I liked this optometrist. You know what this dear, sweet, slightly bespectacled gentleman said to me next? He said he could solve this problem of mine. I said, how? He said if I'd like, he'd willingly read to me some of his favorite things. I said when he 
said no. His novel approach seemed highly suspicious and possibly dangerous too. I told myself, wait, think, dare you go up to his flat? What happens if things go wrong? It's obvious he's quite strong. He read to me all night long. Now how about that? It's hard to believe how truly domestic and happily hopeful I feel. I picture my Paul there reading aloud as I cook. As long as he's there to read, there's quite a good chance indeed. A chance that I'll never need to open a book. Unlike someone else, someone I dimly recall, I know he'll only have eyes for me, my optometrist, Paul. So you are leaving your home to join that hero of yours. But why won't you tell me where he is? It is far, Papa, terribly far. He was arrested. He is in a settlement in Siberia. Siberia? And he asked you to join him in that frozen wasteland and marry him there? No, Papa, he did not ask me to go. I want to go. What huddled baby. But, Papa, how can I hope to make you understand why I do what I do? Why I must travel to a distant land far from the home I love? Once I was happily content to be as I was where I was, close to the people who are close to me here in the home I love. Who could see that a man would come who would change the shape of my dreams? Helpless now I stand with him watching older dreams grow choice this is, wanting home, wanting him, closing my heart to every hope but his, leaving the home I love. There where my heart has settled long ago, I must go, I must go. Who could imagine I'd be wandering so? from the home I love yet there with my love I'm home well given my regards this uh, Moses of yours I always thought he was a good man 
Tell him I rely on Azana to treat my daughter well. Tell him that. Papa, God alone knows when we shall see each other again. Then we will leave it in his hands. There where my heart has settled long ago, I must go. I'd be wandering so far from the home I love. Yet there with my love, I'm From Fiddler, Far From the Home I Love, Sierra Mostel and Julia McGainis. Obviously, even though I didn't uh, pre-introduce that Harold Prince production, directed, in this case, by Jerome Robbins. You've been listening to a tribute to the legendary director-producer, Hal Prince. Associate producer, Jeff London. Anything Goes Backstage with Broadway's Best is produced and hosted by Paul Lazarus. For more information, visit anythinggoespl.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and follow us. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.